American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another episode of the Bearded Bastards Radio here on American Hammers Radio. My name is Tex of the Fresno Irons and I'm joined by the one, the only, Liam Bright, the man, the myth, the legend himself. How are you this evening, Liam? Oh, fantastic. And I always appreciate the uh, gratuitous introduction that you always provide for myself as well as, well as you, because let's be honest, I am only as magnanimous as my partner in crime here on the Bearded Bastards. No, you get that intro because you're married and I'm still single. So <laughs> let, let's be 100% honest. That's what it is. And you also, just for all the listeners out there, you did outkick your coverage. Yeah, so, this you know, is true. We all this know is 100% that, true. Um, which is why you're going to hear this sound on my end of the microphone. <laughs> and that is the whiskey that I'm pouring into said glass. Liam is going to care to join me here. We're uh, we're sipping on some of Kentucky's finest straight rye whiskey from Knob Creek. Uh, if anybody's listening from Knob Creek, we wouldn't mind you sending us a bottle. You know, Bearded Bastards Radio, we like to get it done. Why not? Why not? Uh, so a uh, little cheers of the glass here with Liam. And uh, we are going to uh, take our first sip so we can get into the bullshit that happened this weekend. <laughs> Mm. it's uh it's god's nectar let's be honest well uh after that shot of whiskey liam we need (laughs) it because west ham united go out against nottingham forest newly promoted side and wouldn't you know that's west ham's kryptonite newly promoted (laughs) sides uh going into that game let's be honest played a shit first half did not look well uh clearly nottingham forest were on the front foot we had a couple of moments that we could have uh taken over the game even the few chances we did get in the first i felt like we had the better of the chances but they were definitely the more aggressive uh, aggressive team and sure as shit into the first half 42nd minute i believe they strike a goal off Ben Johnson, who tries to clear the ball or get a touch on it. Toe poke. Something. Bounces right on a guy who's rolling in like a bowling ball, doesn't know what he's doing, gets credit for a goal that rolls into the lower corny, lower corny, sorry, lower, <laughs> lower corner. And uh, Lucas Fabianski just has to sit there and watch it go by. Sure as shit, West Ham go down 1-0. Clearly, David Moyes got in their ass at halftime because West Ham came out. We're clearly the better team, although there was an early chance for Nottingham Forest, but they didn't capitalize on it. We also had an early chance as well. Um, Let's run down the list of all the things that happened in the second (laughs) half that West Ham were unable to capitalize on. Um, They had a line clearance. Thomas Suchek got the ball in a dangerous area, was unable to put it in. Um, They had a disallowed goal after a foul on Mikel Antonio. They struck the crossbar not once, but twice. Both of them rattled and could not find one of our players out and able to allow their goalkeeper, who did play one hell of a game. Yeah, Dean Henderson had the game of his career. Well done, Dean Henderson. Uh, You know, fair play to him. And then also we had a missed penalty after a handball in the box by Declan Rice. And I hate saying it, Deck. You haven't been playing well this year, but that penalty kind of summed up how you have been playing. It was not the best of penalties, way too close to the goalkeeper. Dean Henderson was able to make the save and stop West Ham United. And, of course, the clock ran out on us. Um, We got more extra time than you and I thought watching the game. But really, the best player on the pitch was Saeed Ben Rama, yeah. and he was unable to find that that decisive moment. He did out of a couple of opportunities, but just you know, ball a little too high, hits the crossbar, doesn't quite make the right pass. 
It just wasn't our day. What were your thoughts on that match? I mean, it's it's difficult in the moment to kind of feel uh, to feel excited about what you saw on the pitch. I mean, definitely coming out in the second half and and like we said, pinging the crossbar, having the missed penalty. I mean, the chances were there. We definitely had the opportunities. I think the disallowed goal actually happened in the first half before Nottingham, Nottingham Forest had even scored, which I think was even worse because if we if that goal stands, that changes the entire trajectory of the rest of the game. And I, I think that once that goal was disallowed, we could almost feel it like they're going to score. Like we know they're going to score before the half just to send us in on a downturn. Um, I, like you said, I think Ben Rama played out of his skin. I thought he had probably one of his best ever matches in a West Ham shirt. Unfortunately, he was kind of a standalone on the pitch. We really didn't have anybody else that had quite the same match that he did. Uh, I will give credit where credit's due, though. Antonio absolutely muscled as many people as he physically could, but the ref was reticent to give him any of the calls. Every call went against us. Uh, When you are running past a player on your own team that has the ball, the defender makes no play to go to the player with the ball, but instead changes his his uh his placement the same time Antonio does like Antonio's try like the defender is standing still Antonio tries to cut to the right as the defender cuts right to to that to his left to intercept Antonio Antonio cuts to the left the defender does the same thing purposefully standing in his way at that point that's just a coming together it's not a foul the player was not making a play on the ball and when De- when Declan does make that decisive pl- pass to Ben Rama it's nowhere near that player he would not have been able to intercept the ball ergo neither player was influencing the play at that moment in which case it shouldn't have been a disallowed goal the other thing which we forgot to touch on is the handball the handball that leads to the penalty by the letter of the law was a red card should have been a red card and they did away with the double penalty that it's like, oh, well, if it's a penalty, it can't also be a red card. That's not the case. If you go and read the rules, which I did after the game, of course, it, it specifically says if that's the last defender and they utilize their their hand to, to play the ball in a obvious goal scoring opportunity, dog saw or whatever they're referring to it as, then it should have been a goal. Even with Dean Henderson behind that, because you cannot say the keeper would have decidedly Save the ball. I mean, look at the Manchester United Brentford game. That's a low shot that De Gea definitely should have had his hands on and it slips right through his fingers. So you can't tell me just because the keeper was there that he would have saved the ball. But you can tell me if a defender sticks his arm out to block the ball when he's traveling the opposite direction. To me, that's that just screamed of the the game trying to go the way the Premier League wanted it to go. And I'll, I'll get into this later, but I, I just think that we were, we ran out of luck. The players kind of had a continuation of what we saw last week against Manchester city, where we don't quite have the chemistry that we had last season, even though we have virtually the exact same starting lineup as, a, as what we've had previously. It's just, there's something missing. And I don't think it's just Mark Noble, but my gut, says it's Mark Noble. <laughs> so I, I think you're hundred percent right. I think it is Mark Noble. Um, I, I you know, Liam, you're, you're hundred percent right. And uh, my apologies for forgetting about the disallowed goal. It was just such a mess of a game. I mean, we were standing at full circle brewing company, home of the Fresno irons watching that match. And you could hear a pin drop when the game ended. Oh my God. A pin drop is that we've, uh, yeah, I think you even made the comment. I've never heard the pub this quiet. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a grave. It was, it's, it's tough. You know, when you when you finish 
in the two best seasons West Ham have had, there's the two best back-to-back seasons in West Ham's history. If you really break it down, you know, two top seven finishes back-to-back seasons, the expectations rise. So when the team loses, like they've done in the first two weeks, you kind of expect it against Manchester city. You kind of expect it because of who they are, what their payroll is, who their coach is, and obviously the talent that they can throw out there. And even when they pull a player off, they're bringing on another 60 million pound player <laughs> to replace the hundred million pound player. Right. Um, when it comes to Nottingham forest, the thing that's most frustrating is you lost to a team that had nine new starters. And, not only that, you're losing to a team whose coach looks like the mad character, <laughs> which, again, is a frustration for me. And I'll tell you this. Look, West Ham United have to learn how to win these games. And now, you know, I think when I was doing the point value, you know, because every year I go through every game, so how many points is West Ham going to have? And I try to put it down. I think we're going to have 68 points is what I thought we would accomplish this year, which I thought would be good enough to get us fifth place. That was my opinion. Right. Okay. Yes, I'm a fan. That's short for fanatic. I'm going to be a little overzealous. I have us be where every year we're going to knock out one of the top six sides. Okay. We will this year. I think it's really just a top five sides because I don't really think United is there. Now I think we can both agree and say United's probably going to turn it around at some point. They're probably going to go on a run. They're probably not going to finish any lower than eighth, but if you're West Ham United and you're trying to crack into that top six mold, that top five mold, possibly the top four, you cannot lose games to Nottingham Forest that have nine new starters. You can't do that. And I think if anybody that is a pundit that watches that match would walk away saying West Ham deserved to get something out of that game, and we did, but we didn't. And that's something we're going to have to make up. We have to go find those three points somewhere else throughout the season. You know, and, and that's what's so frustrating to me. And so you've mentioned something, and I think we have to acknowledge it. You know, it feels like something's off on the club. It feels like they're not gelling. They're not the same team that we were falling in love with. Like, where's those magical runs from Bowen? How come Suchek's not finishing these chances that he's getting in the box? Declan Rice is not that he looks like a shell of himself, but he definitely looks like he is struggling right now. Yeah. Um, and he's just not, he's not in the groove. He's not in midseason form, which I don't think anybody expected him to be. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose this question to you right now, Liam. What do you believe is wrong with West Ham United? I think right now, I think we lack veteran leadership like, we, like we've had in previous seasons. You got to remember, Ogbonna is still not on the pitch. So uh, obviously, his injury uh, uh, is, you know, he's still coming back from that. So I think we, we do lack that to some degree. Um, you know, I think Cresswell is trying to be as vocal as possible. But I also think that he's being asked to play further back than he typically has uh, um, in, in prior seasons. I, I understand against Man City, you know, you, you do want that defensive presence. But against Nottingham Forest, I, I expected him to be way further up the pitch more frequently, and I, I just didn't see that happening. For some reason, we kept trying to play up on the right side from Sioux Fall through Suchek and then up to Bowen, and Forrest had us pinned over there, and we were not switching the play. I think you shouted for it no less than 10 times. Uh, and I mean, you've got Cresswell and Ben Rama, like we said, Ben Rama having a, 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 like being on fire for that match where it would have been beneficial for us to play along that side. And I don't think that Declan's having like a bad game. I think the penalty obviously doesn't help him. I mean, that's two penalties missed out of three. And I, under, I understand one of his penalties did ping off the bar, 
So, you know, that's that's unlucky. But he has tried to put the ball in the exact same spot all three times. So he's predictable. No keeper is looking at him thinking he's going to go to the keeper's left. He's going to the keeper's right every time. Whereas Mark Noble varied it every single time. You never knew where Mark Noble was going to try to put the ball because I don't think he even decided where it was going to go until seconds before he was going to kick that ball. Uh, I, I think that we are missing players like Mark Noble because I think he's a presence not just on the pitch, but I think very much in the dressing room. And I don't know if anybody else out there has really stepped up to take the reins. And not that, not that Declan Rice couldn't do it, but he is younger. And I think that sometimes, sometimes your ego can get the best of you. And I think coming off of categorically being said to be one of the greatest English Premier League midfielders, defensive midfielders of the world, what have you, coming off of all of these England national call-ups, pundits constantly calling him for uh, the England captaincy, being tied to all these uh, top six, top four clubs, that's going to weigh on you, no, no matter who you are, no matter how great of a player you are, or how humble of a player you are, uh, that, that is going to have some effect on you. And I do feel like, to some degree, maybe that is affecting Declan Rice. I don't know, because I, I'm not in his head. I don't know exactly what it is. But if you are the captain, you need to pull everyone up by their bootstraps, and you need to get this team working. You are, uh, I mean... I got a little bit different take here. I, I definitely think you bring up some solid points, but this is what I'm going to say. I try to look at things through a factual basis to try to understand what is going wrong at West Ham United. And I'm not sold there's actually anything going wrong. So when you ask me the question, what's wrong with West Ham United, I kind of look at it and go, so let's go back to all the transfer targets that West Ham United were going after. And everybody was screaming out for a left back, but yet there was hardly ever any left backs linked with West Ham United. And if there were, it was found out to be untrue. I think the reason that has happened is because David Moyes, who I'm going to defend right now, um, shockingly enough, <laughs> I think David Moyes realizes that everybody in the prem has seen the film now. They know that a high press is going to hurt them. So how do you combat a high press? You give more options for the back line to pass to the front. You pack out the midfield. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. So all these targets that we've been going after have been, they've like, you have to read the tea leaves here. They're trying to change the shape. He's trying to go a different direction. He yeah. wants to play a back three. That's why we're targeting this, the amount of center backs that we are. That's why we're not going after a left back or really a right back. And we're looking for left-sided players like Cornet. And we're, we're going to push those people forward because I think David Moyes sees this is what killed him at Manchester United was he came in trying to play the same system that he was able to play over at Everton that he had all the success with. But at Everton, remember he had Fellaini had some guys mm -hmm. that could win, you know, all the time in the midfield. Whereas in when you kind of look at it from the terms of what West Ham United are right now, they're, they're kind of a one trick pony and he's trying to change the trick. Um, absolutely pour me a little more of that. Um, so, uh, Liam, just so you know, everybody's pouring a little bit more whiskey over here. Um, because you know, talking about losing nine and four is fucking sucks. So really when you kind of break it down, I, I think it's evidence. So of this, and I think the one thing that you didn't want to count on is a geared gets hurt. Yeah. And the moment he gets hurt, that changes everything for West Ham United. 
because now you're in a position and then Diop pulls his shit, which you talked about last week. So now you're in the same position you were in last season where you're thin at center back. You don't have many options. You're forced to play guys like Ben Johnson and Aaron Cresswell in an unnatural position. So it hurts the back line. And the one thing I've realized about Kurt Zuma, and I love having Zuma. Don't get me wrong. I love the fact that he is a West Ham United player, but he's not our best center back. That's Ogbonna. Yeah. Ogbonna's the leader. Zuma's a Robin. Ogbonna's a Batman. Yeah. And so really, I kind of look at it and I'm like, am I really worried when the guys that we really need are not there? I mean, it's hard to worry because I don't think we've seen what David Moyes wants to do. And I think that's why he's so frustrated right now. And, you know, we just brought in a center back today who we're going to get in earlier from PSG, a guy we've been flirting with for almost, it feels like a damn near month. <laughs> yeah. um, and now he's in, well, now we have a little more center back cover and we have the ability possibly to start to see what David Moyes is really trying to do because talent wise, I, there's you, nobody can tell me this is not a top six side when it comes to talent. It is. Maybe it's no better than a top five, but it's a top five or six side. Like, I think there's five teams in the prem right now that are probably better than we are, but we're better than United. Yeah. And so really when I look at it and you say, what's wrong, I'm not sold. There's all that much wrong at West Ham United. You brought up the leadership. I think that's going to play its role. It absolutely is. And I think we're going to go through those growing pains, but I don't think they've attributed it to the way that we lost the city. City's a better side than we are. We got Holland. I don't think he contributed to the Nottingham Forest game. I think the Nottingham Forest game was a mix of bad calls, mix of the fact that we just got unlucky. You know, maybe Ben Arama didn't pray five times a day the week before, <laughs> which is why the goal didn't go in. I mean, I'm, I'm literally looking at it like that because I watched the game back for the first time like you did. And when I watched the highlights, the highlights were all full of us not converting. There was few highlights of Nottingham Forest doing much of anything. So, you know, NBC puts out the extended highlights yeah. that you can watch on YouTube. And I'm telling you right now, you know, 10 of those minutes were West Ham United fucking up yeah. and not putting the ball in the back of the net. So really, Liam, like what's wrong? I'm not sold there's anything wrong. I've always been told you don't judge a team till after 10 matches. Yeah. So I'm not going to judge them after two. Um, leading out of that, though, obviously I heard your concerns. So real talk, are you worried? Do you see things that legitimately worry you for the season? Honestly, I don't. Because other than what I brought up concerning leadership, and I don't think that we don't have any leaders. I think we definitely do. I just don't think we have one person that's kind of stood up the way that Mark Noble did um, and had for years. But let's be fair. like He had all those years under his belt. He had tutelage from Kevin Nolan to really get a good vibe for what was what would work and what wouldn't work. Um, I think at this point, when you look at, and you brought this up really well, when you look at the players that have been brought in and you look at what Moyes is probably trying to uh, lean towards in terms of his primary formation, he's going to go with a back three or back five hybrid, depending on how you look at it. And I think uh, Kera definitely solidifies that because whether it's going to be Zuma or Dawson or Agbana, it doesn't matter. Whoever's in that middle can be in that middle. You've got a right-sided center back that can also play uh, on the right as a right uh, right back in uh, Kera. You've got either Cresswell, they can play on the left-hand side. You've got Aguerd, who can play, obviously he's left-footed. He would be your ideal starter on the left-hand side. 
You have Cornet that plays as a left wing back. You've got Johnson, who we saw last season was getting the nod over Sufal. And I think more recently we've seen Sufal still struggle to really find that, um, that form that he had when he first came over. Uh, I would say Johnson's probably your first choice. So that's really your back line. You have Cornet, Aguerd, Zuma, Orgbana, uh, uh, Kera, and then Johnson. And that's your back five. You still have Declan Rice and Suchek as your middle two. And then your top, your your front three are going to be Benrama, Antonio, and Bowen. And when Benrama is off form, you have Antonio there. And then you have Skamaka in the center. So you've got Antonio on the left, Skamaka in the center, Bowen on the right. To me, that's a top four side. There's not a doubt in my mind that with that type of attacking power, with Cornet, we saw a lot of, you know, what, nine goals or whatnot um, for Burnley last season. Uh, we know that Johnson can score a goal, and he's obviously much better suited in that right wing back position as opposed to having to play as a, as a right-sided center back or being misappropriately placed on the left-hand side. I think when Suchek and, and Rice kind of refine whatever their dynamic is going to be, who's going forward, who's staying back, I think that will work itself out. And if not, you've got Flynn Downs as backup, or you pull in Lanzini, who we know likes to receive the ball deep in the in the midfield and carry the ball forward. He can play a long pass, and he can play the smart pass that we need to unlock players like Bowen, Skamaka, and Antonio. So to me, I'm not super worried, I think, with this signing specifically that gets us really where we need to go. And even with Aguerd injured, if you can get Ogbana back, and that's your back three with Ogbana, Zuma, and uh, Kera, I think that's a solid back line, and that helps us stop leaking the stupid, silly goals that we have been. I, I th- th- thank you, because <laughs> o- honestly, um, I you know your uh, your prowess of how you know the game uh, definitely brings me at ease. But I will I will push back and say this: I'm a West Ham fan. I'm always worried. Okay, <laughs> so let's be a hundred percent honest and say. When you ask me, are you worried? The answer is always simply yes. It's the level of worriedness that I am. I'm like worried I'm going to have a wreck when I leave my house in the car. There's a worry, but it's not that high. So that's what I'm going to kind of answer this question with is say that I'm not too worried about West Ham United. And I know we're going to drop stupid games like that. We've been doing it the last two years to Brighton. So really, at the end of the day, I think West Ham's going to be okay. The difference is going to be this. Are they finally going to push on and start winning all those games they should win? Are they going to start acting like the team we know they are? When you go up against, you know, Manchester City, you don't expect to win. If you get something from the game, it's a bonus. And that's one thing I've learned about being an English Premier League side is that sometimes it draws a good result depending on who you're playing on the other side. And if you can, because you're taking points off of them either way. Yeah. So the problem is, we wanted a point out of that Manchester City game because you want a point at home against a side like that. We didn't get it. It is what it is. They're probably going to run away with the league. Good on them. But a, but you got to get something out of that Forest yeah. game. And that tells me now, now we're already behind the eight ball. We have to go find another win. Like last year, nobody expected us to beat Liverpool at home, but we did, and we got those three points. We're going to need a performance like that against one of those big boys in order to make up for that Forest game. Because we lost the Brighton game at the end of the year. Um, I think mathematically at that point, we didn't have a chance to get into the... I think we did have a chance to get into the top six. Yeah. Um, but that, that hurt. We ended up in seventh and, you know, us and United lost our way into the sixth and seventh spots. So really for me, what I really love to see this West Ham United side 
understand is like, look, that was a poor performance. And our best player on the pitch has to take some of that blame. He has to own it. And he did. And that's the mark of a great leader. Sometimes leaders are born out of fire and brimstone. And I do believe Declan Rice is going through it right now because he's shaking his head because he was humbled. You're not supposed to miss that penalty. Yeah. You know, you're replacing Mark Noble, arguably the top, one of the top five penalty takers in premier league history. Yeah. So that that's a guy that you're filling in for that's wearing the band. But think about this too. Like if you're looking at Declan and you're wearing the armband and the expectation would be the captain's taking the the penalties, but that's not, that's, that's the West Ham way, but that is not the typically the way that the, that any league operates, let alone the premier league. You go with the person most likely to finish that penalty. And I understand that maybe you named Declan Rice because you know he's going to be on the pitch for all 90 plus minutes. But you can't tell me that looking at conversion rates of like Saeed Benarama, Jared Bowen, Thomas Suchek, Aaron Cresswell, he's like four for six for penalties. Declan's one for three. Like you can't tell me that looking at these other players that you had on the pitch that you didn't have a better option in that moment. And like, yeah, maybe Declan was like, well, look, I don't want to put the pressure on anybody else. We need this as the equalizer. I'm going to take the responsibility and do it, which good on him if that's his mentality behind it. But, and and I've heard rumors that he like destroys penalties in practice. Like he's just this like savant behind the, behind the 12 yard spot, but it's, it's not showing in the game. So for me, if push comes to shove, I'm going Lanzini or Ben Rama behind a drop behind the drop ball. What about you? Like who would be your top pick for this? I, I go Cresswell. I, I think Aaron Cresswell is a phenomenal penalty taker, but the problem is, and I'm not trying to change the subject here. I think Cresswell's days are numbered in the starting 11. Yeah. Um, I think that signing today um, starts to hint at that. And I think we'll get into that maybe later this show or possibly one of the next shows, but um, Aaron Cresswell is going to have to reinvent himself at West Ham United. And the reason I say that is because if we are going to a back three and he's a natural left back, he's going to have to learn how to play the left wing, which I do believe he can do Yeah. because on our team right now, I do believe he's the best crosser of the ball Oh, hands um, down. by a mile. And it, it's tough to take that off the pitch, but he has become a little bit of a liability on the defensive side, which is what we bought him from, from Ispwich when we got him. So, you know, he's going to have to reinvent himself. He's going to have to be a more forward-thinking player, which I, I think if you give a guy a license to go forward, I feel like that's a great thing. Yeah. But some guys just aren't good going forward. And, you know, Cresswell's always been good at getting into areas to send a cross in. Um, and, he, you know, he's he's had some magical moments. That volley he hit against Leicester City was one of the best I've ever personally ever seen. Um, he's got a free kick on him at any time. He makes it hard to take him off the pitch. He really does. But... The, at the end of last year, either he's lost a step and now he's grabbing with his hands. Those two red cards he got in Europa, they yeah. really, really hurt. Yeah. So, you know, I he's the guy I would like to see take the pin. Um, but honestly, the, the maybe the best penalty taker on the team is probably Saeed Benarama. Yep. Um, you know, he was the penalty taker at Brentford when he was there. Um, he's very dangerous. He's very good with the ball. So I, I would like to see Saeed have a bigger role to take those penalties. I really honestly would. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things right now where West Ham United need to figure out that penalty taker. They've been spoiled for so long on who that has been. And I don't think it's Declan. No. I just don't think it's Declan. I don't think Declan's got the gravitas 
to be able to take that penalty. You know, I mean, he let Jesse Lingard take one off of him. And, you know, so that's where I kind of look at it is like, if you're that confident penalty, there's no questioning Noble. Yeah. Like Noble's yeah. taken to pen. Yeah. I've seen Noble give up one pen in my entire life since he's been a West Ham United player. And that was to Mikel Antonio and he missed it. Yeah. So, I, I mean. Because it was Mickey was going to get a hat trick if he yeah. got the pen. Yeah. Yeah. So the reality for me is always going to be West Ham United need to figure that out. I'm not terribly worried about him. That's a bad penalty miss. There's no getting around it. You got to own it. And he did own it. I saw his comments. He did own the fact that he missed. And he apologized to the West Ham fans. I just hope this is a humbling experience for this team to let them know that you can lose to anybody at any point, but you have to figure this out. Now, we've mentioned it multiple times. We have a new signing. Liam, you are the transfer expert on this show. Let us know about him. So what I really like about this signing is uh, Tilo Kera, and this is a 25-year-old German international who is, at this time, with the current head coach for for Germany, uh, which I can't remember his name right now, but he took over for Jurgi Lowe. He is the most, he's the player that has the most minutes underneath this manager. So obviously the manager really likes him. Um, He's... Uh, uh, he's fluent in French. He did his initial interviews with PSG completely in in uh, French, which I thought was really good. And when you think about uh, the fact that we pulled uh, Alphonse Areola from PSG as well, Thilo even talks about uh, that he had conversations with uh, Areola, and Areola was like, "Yeah, it's great over here. Like, you should definitely come." So I think having those players that can speak to these high profile individuals that we do that. There are other teams going for other teams that have European competitions. And these players are choosing us over these other teams. I mean, Tilo, you know, younger kid, like I said, 25, uh, it's a four year deal uh, with a potential two year extension, which is great. I mean, this puts this kid all the way through his prime years, all the way up until 29, potentially 31. Uh, And he's somebody that I alluded to, to earlier that he can play, uh, primarily as a center back, but can also play on the on the right side. Uh, his highlight reel shows him being dangerous in the box. He's very good at um, pulling away from his mark and allowing himself to have an open header or an open foot on the ball, which is instrumental in the way that we play, obviously, because we typically score so many goals from set pieces. So this is just another, uh, you know, uh, tool in the belt that we can utilize. Uh I think this, I don't think it solves the center back problem that we have right now because obviously with Dawson being out, with Ogbonna being out, with uh, um, Aguirre being out, but it does lessen the blow a little bit. And keep in mind, Alphonse Ariola speaks French. Uh, Zuma speaks French. Aguirre speaks French. So if you've got your three center backs and your goal, potential goalkeeper that can all speak French, that's really good communication that isn't always going to be apparent to the opposing side. Because this is almost going to be like, I mean, this is a completely different language. So if you've got a bunch of players that speak Spanish or speak English as a primary language and do not understand French, I mean, this is really good for coordination. Uh, there have been other names that have been uh, tied to us, like Mo- Moises Salcedo from Brighton. I don't particularly think that that one goes over the line. Uh, Hans uh, Vaniken from Club Bruges, same thing. I don't really think that one goes over the line. Uh, I want to say it's Eric Belay. 
Eric Bailly. Bailly, yeah. From Manchester United. That's been uh, touted as a potential loan, which I'm not opposed to, but at the same time, I just... I mean, if you're not really getting minutes at a team that's as shitty as Manchester United, is that really a player that we want to pull right now? That's like pulling Fred or McTominay. Like, I'm not pulling either one of them into our side. Uh, The big one that I'm actually a fan of, Connor Gallagher on a loan. The only problem is uh, he's done really well at Palace. uh, And what... Isn't he, was he signed to Palace or is he still a Chelsea player? He's a Chelsea player, which is, um, you know, let's be honest. We're not going to get him because we're dealing with Chelsea. Chelsea. Well, that's the same thing with Emerson Palmieri. Like people keep talking about that as a name for somebody we might pull over. And I've seen some of the, uh, the ITKs talk about that Emerson as, as a potential buy for West Ham. I don't see it happening. I think with Chelsea, they've consistently overvalued their players to us and, we're just not going to pay that type of money. You look at the business that we just did with Alphonse Areola, with uh, Dilo Carrera, uh, Carrera, dealing with a team as powerful as PSG, and we got these players at really good like value. The PSG bought Tilo for $33 million just a handful of years ago, and we're getting him for a third of that cost. Like To be honest, that's really good business on our side. And then Brereton Diaz has been the other one, and that name's popped up, what, the last three, four windows at this point. Um, I think we probably get one more signing in. I think Moyes is going to focus on either another attacking player or uh, he's going to look at somebody else as a potential replacement left back. I don't think you're going to see a left back. That's why I don't think Emerson's even in the picture. I think, I I think that is, is literally whipped cream. Like I just don't, there's nothing to it. I'm not going to buy it. If we brought Emerson, I think it'd be a waste and no offense. I don't want to deal with Chelsea at all. Fuck them and everything that they've done. You know, I think now Moyes has got his six players and I think any player that comes in and I'm not, I, I honestly don't think we'll get another player. That's just me being honest. I honestly believe in my heart any player that comes in now is is literally going to be a luxury player. Yeah. It's going to be a player that that Moyes values for some reason. He does something that we really need. Connor Gallagher would be amazing to get. I love the kid. I love what he does. Um I he's a future England player. We all know that. Um, but the problem is in order to get that player, you have to deal with Chelsea. So no offense, Connor, as good as you are deuces bro like (laughs) i don't want to deal with it because chelsea have been such a nightmare to deal with like on the 11th hour they came in and stole mitchy batuai from us yeah right and when they stole that player from us then they never played him yeah and mitchy batuai he's also an idiot i'm not trying to say that i want that player but the reality is like that that's the thing that's what they do connor gallagher should be starting at chelsea yeah he's a good young english player they should give him the opportunity. He was arguably one of the most dynamic players in the Prem last year. He scored some goals that were absolutely gorgeous, and he made us pay. Yeah, He made us pay. He scored two goals in order to give the draw to Crystal Palace in a game that we clearly should have won, but he was the difference. Yeah. So I, I would love to get Connor Gallagher in a side, but I, I really do believe this. If we do sign another player, it's going to come out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's going to be a player that's maybe offered to us late on loan. I think Eric Bailly was a backup plan in case we didn't get Kara over the line from PSG. Eric Bailly's been, he's a serviceable defender, but he would he would come in and he would strictly be for cover. I don't know if we'd ever see him all that often unless it's an EFL Cup or FA Cup game. Yeah. Um that's just the type of player that we're talking about there. But West Ham United to me have got everything that they need. 
They have it now. If everyone's healthy, yes. Yeah, if everyone's healthy, they have it. And I think hopefully by November, we have a Garrett back on, you know, that that's the hope. Yeah. I think we won't see him the first two months of the season. We're not going to see him now. We're not going to see him September, earliest October, more likely for November. So if we get that player back in November, with our luck, it'll be all the way to December. But um, <laughs> if we get that player back, I think you're going to start to see what Moise is trying to do. And I think, I think it's going to be tough. And it's, you know, injuries are just unlucky. It's hard to, to penalize um, them right now. It really, it really is. Cause I think Moyes has a plan and I think he went into the season saying, we got to freshen things up, but I do believe if any player comes in, it's going to be, it's going to be somebody that's a straight luxury player in an attacking role. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail. So with that said, um, you know, West Ham have two games this week. One of them is the Europa Conference League, which actually happens tomorrow um, at 10 a.m. Our time out here in uh, Fresno, California. So adjust accordingly. We are Pacific Standard Time. Um, and we play uh, Viborg, a Danish team. Um, give me your honest thoughts on this game. I mean, it, it snuck up on us. It's Europa Conference League. The moment we finished seventh, I knew I was going to be excited about it. But what are your thoughts on this match? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm great. I'm grateful to still have European competition, right? I mean, pardon me. We were shitting all over Chelsea last year for us getting Europa League and them getting conference. And then they bowed out of the conference league early. And we were like, you can't even you, you know, you you can't even hold your place in that. And then we realized very early on that Cunty was going to push for Premier League place. He wasn't really worried about trying to pick up a consolation prize. So for me, I'm still excited about it because I do think that this these types of competition is competitions are what helps us attract players like Aguerd, like Cornet, like Skamaka, like Kera. Uh, 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 and I think it's important for us to continue to place high in the Premier League table so we can continue bringing in players like this as some of the older guard continues to retire or move on to, to other teams. I, I don't. I can't imagine this team being much of like a banana peel for us. I mean, they're fifth in the Danish Super League right now. Then uh, that's not to discount them. I'm not super familiar with this team as a whole, anyways. But I can't imagine us going into this match with an understrength side, uh, because even your second, your 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 back line, right? Your second wing, your second string or starters, whatever whatever you want to call it. I still think that this would be a fairly easy game for us to get past now take that with a grain of salt i also thought we were going to beat forest three nil so what the fuck do i actually know about anything uh but i i would look at this as a great opportunity to give players like cornet and skamaka a starting chance and then you can play uh you know antonio and uh ben rama and players like that off the bench or maybe you play ben rama from from the start he had a great game this past weekend. Let him build on it, or you save him for Brighton because you're going to need that type of creativity on the left hand side. Uh, but I think we we probably see some of the backup players. Uh, but let's be honest with that back line. We don't have a ton of spare options. Uh, Kara is probably not going to be uh, ready for the match for tomorrow. Possibly this weekend against Brighton, but I doubt we'll see him feature tomorrow. What about you? What's your thoughts? You know, really, like it's the Europa Conference League, and I, I've been the guy on the show. I'm the American. You know, I, mm-hmm. I like I don't give two shits about the EFL Cup. I don't care about you know the Community Shield. 
I don't care about Europa Conference League. You don't even really like the FA Cup. Not not really. To be to be hundred <laughs> percent honest, like I don't talk mess about the FA Cup because I understand in England what it means. It's ev- it, you're basically the best team in England. You know, because everybody goes. You could be a Sunday beer league and you get to, you know, if your team wins a few games, you might find yourself at London Stadium playing West Ham United if the draw goes your way. Yeah. Um, really, for me, I don't care. And, and, <laughs> and personally, like, I don't really want us to win. I want to get out of the competition. I want our players to be healthy because I want all our focus to finish as high as possible in the premier league table, because I'm all about, I have a dream and it's my personal dream. I want to see West Ham United play in the champions league. Like that's what I want. Yeah. Same. So the conference league doesn't allow us any opportunity into that. I was gung ho on the Europa league last year because we had an Avenue in right now, West Ham have one Avenue into the, into the champions league and that's to finish in the top four. Right. And I don't know if we're good enough right now, but you know, soccer is a fickle game. Excuse me. Football. (laughs) Football is a fickle game. The ball bounces your way a couple times. You could win a few games. You're not supposed to. And if you handle your end when you have to go, you know, thanks Sir Alex Ferguson said it best. You know, the measure of a Premier League team is can you go to Stoke on a Thursday night in the rain and win? Yeah. And, you know, if West Ham can do that, go beat Brighton, beat Wolves, beat those teams at the bottom half of the table, even though we just didn't do that against Nottingham Forest, I really do believe in my heart that West Ham United can find their way in the Champions League. That's what I want. So if I sacrifice, this is my question to you. The people out there that go, I want a good showing in the Europa Conference League. I go, would you rather have a good showing in the Europa Conference League or finish fourth in the Prem? If you say, I no, excuse me, let me rephrase that. You win the Europa Conference League, get to hoist the trophy, or finish fourth in the Prem, which would you take? Oh, yeah. If you're telling me you want the Europa Conference League trophy, what the fuck? <laughs> That's this is the Champions League. I want West Ham United on the stage with the best clubs in the world. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. So th- th- that's what I think. And you know, I'll go ahead and give you my score prediction in this game. I, you know, what do I want to see? Yeah, I'll take it on the chin on this. I want to see us lose. I want to be out because I want to focus on that. But we're going to win the game too, Neil. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. And I would like to see some of the young guys get a run when you're fifth in the Danish league. That's like somebody dating my ex that I dated four times and she's only dating you to get back at me. That's, yeah. that's what finishing fifth and you know, the Danish super league is, they call it a super league. It's the Danish average league. Let's be honest. <laughs> what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm seeing probably about the same. I think we kind of waltzed through this similar to what we did in the group stage last year in Europa league. I mean, we, it's not that we weren't challenged. There were definitely times where the other teams looked to be dangerous and potentially score goals. Obviously, we lost the very last match of the group stage, but we had already secured our place in the knockout rounds. I think this will probably sit at about a, a, a 2-0. I don't think that we're terribly trouble, troubled. I think you do see like Flynn Downs probably start, maybe Connor Coventry. So you could see some of the younger guys, uh, which in the more recent uh, behind-the-scenes training at Rush Green, you saw a lot of those guys kind of featuring in the videos. So I, c- I could see those guys on there, Skamaka for sure, especially because they're going to want to confidence boost Skamaka and give him the opportunity to score some goals in a West Ham shirt. So, yeah, I'm going to go 2-0. Uh, scorers, I'm actually going to go Skamaka and Cornet. Skamaka Cornet. I'm going to be honest. I don't give a fuck who scores. <laughs> it could be two um, own goals. I, I, <laughs> 
I'd love to see Connor Coventry get a goal. I really yeah. honestly would. And the reason I'd love to see Connor get one is because I, I do believe Connor has a role to play on this team. But you mentioned it to it, you know, off air the the other day. He's already 25 and he hasn't made a, a dent in the team. So yeah. it's tough. I, I I fall in love with guys that come through the West Ham United system. I would love to see Connor Coventry be that guy. And he's an Irishman. Yeah, well, yeah. And, Irish and, we're, and we're Irishmen. We are, we the are. The bearded bastards are Irish fucks. This is why let's we drink. Be honest. That's why we drink whiskey. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I just, I, I'm gonna be that guy. I'm not gonna sit there and fight what my emotions are. I don't care what the result is in this game. Will I watch it? Fuck yeah, I'm a West Ham fan. I'm gonna watch the game. Yeah. But the reality for me is, I just don't care whether we win or we lose. It just does not bother me on this game. But there is a game that does bother me, and that comes up this Sunday yet again. Yeah, we play the team that since they've been promoted, we have found no way to fucking win, <laughs> and that is Brighton and Hove Albion, whose mascot is a goddamn seagull. Yep, and they're coming to the London Stadium. What are your thoughts on this match? I mean this this one's going to be vastly more difficult, which almost makes me wonder how. How many starting players or game day players, I should say, Moyes will actually throw into this Viborg game? He may completely discount this game and be like, look, I'm saving everybody for Brighton because we need points. Even one point, we need it. And we cannot have three losses to start out the season. I mean, Pellegrini had four to start out the the last season that he was in charge. And that just, it doesn't look, it's not a good look. It's not a good look for us. The only benefit we have is that for this weekend, Manchester United have Liverpool. And let's be honest, there's really no way that Manchester United make their way past Liverpool. So I'm going for a loss for them. So even if we do lose this match, as long as we don't lose by three goals or whatever, we'll we'll still sit above Manchester United. Uh, I think this is going to be close. I'm going to play the glass is half full and say we win this one, one nil. I think it's going to be a, a really close game the entire time. Brighton's going to have their chances. We already know they're going to have their chances, uh, but I think we'll have learned our lesson against Nottingham forest. And we're really going to go after it for this match, especially being at home. We need that win. So you got a one nil win, but what is your starting 11 going into that? That's going to get us that one nil win. That's what I really am curious to know, because I will be honest, I'm going to go ahead and give my score prediction now as well. I do believe we win the game one nil as well, but I would love to know your starting 11 because what team does he put out there? Do we see the new boy this early? I don't believe that we will, but what do you think? I kind of think we will, to be honest. I I, I mean, I like I said, I don't think he can play the Vibor game tomorrow because he wouldn't have been um, signed soon enough to register, but he should be in well in advance to be able to be signed for the Brighton game. And he's obviously been in preseason and uh, playing matches with PSG, so he has his legs under him. So I do think that he can feature and we're going to need him to feature. Uh, for me, I'm actually going to have us roll out that that uh, that back five where it is going to be Johnson, uh, Kera, Zuma, Cresswell, and Cornet. And then Suchek and Rice in the middle. Bowen. And then I would pick Ben Rama. Moyes is going to go Fornals. We know it. He's going to go with Fornals. Antonio up top. Uh I think Ben Rama probably features in the game tomorrow, uh, in which case then he'll be a super sub on uh, on on Sunday. And we're going to, to be fair, that's not a bad pull because we may need that creativity to get the ball in the box towards the end of the match when inevitably Moyes will pull off Antonio and puts Kamaka up top. I think he's going to play a back four. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I do not think we see the new boy starting. Uh, I don't think he'll play this week. No. Um, Moyes is notorious for not playing new signings early. It takes a while for them to get into the team. Except for Zuma. Zuma well, was the, that was like the one caveat where he actually played a player like, imme- oh, Sufal. Sufal was signed and immediately went into the side. So I guess defensively, yeah. he has played players quicker than hey, I, I'll attackers. be honest, I like your lineup. Um, I, I think he's going to go back four. I think we're going to see, I think you're going to have to see Cresswell or Johnson fill that other center back role yeah. next to Zuma, um, which, you know, the wing players, Sufal will clearly be one of them. Either, you know, whichever one's not next to Zuma is going to be on the outside, but that's your back four. Um, I do believe the double pivot stays the same between Suchak and Rice. Um, going forward, though, is where I honestly am curious if he's thinking about doing this. Is he going to move Antonio out to the left? Um, because he likes those inverted wingers, because then you'd have Antonio and Bowen as those inverted players that can drive in and play off Skamaka. Or is he going to give Ben Arama a run? Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. It all depends. In my opinion, you give Benarama the run. Um, I think Benarama has grown every year he's been our player. And I think this year we're going, I think he's going to score double digit goals. I really do believe Benarama will do that. Um, and I think, I think West Ham could legitimately have three players this year in double digit goals in between Antonio, Bowen, and Benarama. And I think this year, Benarama. It was a moment last year. Remember when Benarama walked off the pitch upset because he was the most sub player. And he's like, why always me? Like, yeah. that's what it was, right? Yeah. I think Benarama went into this offseason saying, you know, look, I don't give a shit what Moyes thinks. I'm not going to give him a reason to take me off the pitch. And when he came into the game um, against Nottingham Forest, he changed the game for us. Yeah, He was our best player. And I think he's going to go into that with mentality. Now, he's got to start doing it against the bigger sides. You dominated against Forrest. You did that. You've done that a lot for us against the lower level competition. You've had good games. He's got to start going against the bigger boys. Yeah. And I think this year we're going to find out. I really do think Ben Arama took a page out of Jared Bowen's book. And Jared Bowen went into last season's offseason and said, I got to get better. And went and worked on the farm, worked his ass off, did everything he had to do. And now look what Bowen did last year. And remember the season before, Bowen was the most subbed player in the Premier League. So he made that adjustment and then all of a sudden had a season where he was on fire. I mean, whenever Danny Dyer comes back from her vacation or whatever she's been doing, he'll be back to where he was. But he is obviously (laughs) fiending because he has had just two matches where he looked a shadow of his former self. I don't think he's been bad, but we were so used to how dangerous he was last year. So I don't know if it's just teams have him figured out and now they know that they have to keep man-to-man coverage on him at all times. Or if it's just he hasn't found his footing. Well, he also, we, we've had struggled to give him the service he needs to get onto the ball like he'd like to. So I, I, I it's, it's a double-edged sword there, right? So obviously we're both going for a 1-0 finish in this game. That's what we're going for. Yeah. Who's your goal scorer? Uh, I think it comes off of a corner. I think it's going to be either a, a free kick, like a drop, a dead ball, or it's going to be off of a corner. And it's going to be one of the center backs. I'm going to say probably Zuma. Gets his head on it over this one. I feel like he's due a goal. I don't think he's had one since Liverpool, Liverpool. last year. So uh, I think he's he's due for a goal. And same thing. I think it'd be a good confidence boost for him. If not him, it's it's probably Skamaka because, I mean, the dude is 6'5", 6'4", something like that. Like, there's no reason he can't put his head on the ball either. 
It's going to be an ugly match. <laughs> the goal is going to come off of somebody we don't know. I'm going Vladimir Sufal. <laughs> no. Reason why Vladimir is going to trip, hit the ball with his shoulder, and it's going to roll into the net. And everybody's going to be like, handball. And they're going to watch it on the film. It's going to come off the shoulder and it's going to count. And we're all going to go, well, there's our first goal of the Premier League season. It's ugly as shit. And West Ham win the game 1 0. That's yeah. how it's going to happen. Kind of like Arthur Masuaku's. Was it a cross? Was it a pass? <laughs> we don't know. Was it a shot? You know, that's how we're going to win this game. Because we're just gonna we're gonna get dirty, we're gonna get humbled, and we're gonna go, we're gonna outwork this team, whatever it takes, we're gonna win. Something stupid's gonna happen and Sioux Falls is gonna score the goal. And I, that, I that's hope, what I think. Dude, I hope from I would say if that is the ugly, bumbling, stupid goal, I would actually I would hedge my bets and say it's Suchek. Suchek is the one that kind of bumbles the ball into the net because he just crashed. he's like Dawson. He just runs through a brick wall to get there. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, you know, who's your man of the match? And then we'll uh, get into our yellow and red card. Everybody's favorite card of the show. Uh, I, I would say man of the match because it's Brighton is going to actually be Fabianski. 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 Uh, I think he's going to make some incredible saves and he'll be what keeps us in the game, especially after we score the goal and Brighton really pours the numbers forward. We're going to need him to be absolutely on his A game. What about for you? Oh, it's going to be Declan Rice. He's he's uh, he's ready. Played it safe. <laughs> of course I played it safe. I have to beat you at something. Um, I, I honestly think Declan's going to have a great game. I think he's going to own the midfield. I think he's going to get back to his roots as a defensive midfielder. And I don't think we're going to see a lot going forward. I think he's, you know, it, it's one thing at a time, right? You know, get back to what you do well. And what you do well is breaking up play and getting us the ball back so we can get on the counter. And I think that's what we're going to see. Um, I think he's clearly going to be the best player on the pitch. He's the most talented guy on the pitch. So I think he'll do it. That's that's who I'm going with. But I do think we score an ugly goal and get a win. So that brings us to everybody's favorite part of the show. I know it's definitely yours. Oh, yeah. Um, is the yellow and red card moment. So I'll start it off with the yellow card. Um, I'm not shitting on you, David, but I'm going to give you a yellow card for a second week in a row. <laughs> and the reason I'm going to give you a yellow card is this. You knew a Gerd was injured. You should have pressed the board harder to get somebody in because it's very clear that you you uh, you attacked the transfer market in a way that told us what you're trying to build here. And when you sign the player that you believe is going to unlock whatever West Ham can be and they get hurt, you got to have a plan B. And I just don't believe he was ready for the plan B. And, you know, I'm not saying it's all his fault. That's why it's a yellow card. So I, I'm just I'm just cautioning you, David. You got to be prepared because you've been at West Ham long enough now to know how this board works. So you should know that if you say you want a player, you're not going to get them when you want them. It's going to come later, sometimes years later. Yeah. So uh, th that's where my yellow card goes. I'm not mad at you, David. I'm not. You're still my silver fox. You're that you know you are blue still personified. But uh, I, I, I'm cautioning you because you got to be prepared to understand. You've been here long enough. You should know how it operates. Who's your yellow card? So I'm changing my yellow card. Initially, I was going to give it to Luck because we fucking needed it and Luck was nowhere to be found uh, in Nottingham Forest. I'm actually giving it to Dimitri Payet. Uh, more recently, there were posts on KUMB.com stating that Payet was looking to have one final dance at West Ham United. 
Well, that chunky fucker is not welcome at the London Stadium, at least not in my book. And I'll give you two reasons why. One, he's past his prime. He's not the player that we had back in 2016. And two, the dude's looking for like $200,000 to $250,000 a week. That's higher than what Jesse Lingard was asking for. And I'm done with it. I'm done with these fucking merchants trying to come in, get a last minute payday at West Ham United before they go off to greener pastures or retire or whatever the fuck that they want to do. These six signings, the average age was like 23 and a half years. That's what we need to be going after. We need to be going after players that are just about to enter their prime so that they can actually add something to what we're trying to do at West Ham United. Not signing 30 some on fat fuckers onto the starting lineup that are not going to make an impact. If they're going to do that, they could sign you and me and we'll do it for fucking beer or whiskey money. We don't need to we'll only do it for whiskey and it has to be high end, but we will do it. We will do it. Well, I'll do it for Guinness as well, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I will accept those. Terms. You'll accept those terms. That'll right. Be the, uh, you know, that'll be the add ons. I like it. I like it. That's the bonuses. Yeah. You know, if we can breathe after six minutes of running, but that that's, that's my yellow card. And I think it's not just to him, but it's to fans we need to stop living in the past. That really is what it comes down to. You need to look at what the future of West Ham, and that's not to say we can't ignore the accomplishments and the things that we've done. Our history is part of who we are as a club, but we cannot live in that history. Otherwise, we're as bad as Spurs, as even as Manchester United. Oh, we used to be. Yeah, you fucking used to be. You're not now. You just got dropped 4-0 to fucking Brentford. You are not the Manchester United at all. People keep trying to tell us, like, you're not West Ham United anymore. Fuck you. Yes, we are. But we're the new West Ham United, and we're going to fucking rule the league. Red card, buddy. What you got? Oh, man. God, after that speech, though, I just want to go punch somebody in the face. <laughs> God damn, Liam. I, I love it when you get to the listen to the Liam stage of this show. Uh, red card goes to the goddamn board. Yeah. Okay? I'm sick and tired. You do the same shit. Let's be 100% honest right now. Let's not even lie about it. You got lucky with David Moyes. And you know why you got lucky? Because you kept throwing shit at a wall to see what sticks. And David Moyes stuck. And I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm excited that we have him. I have learned my lesson. I know that we do not deserve blue steel David Moyes. <laughs> Literally, he is. If Zoolander wanted to know what blue steel was supposed to look like, look at the giant that is David Moyes. And so I, I, I love the man now. He has won me over. But the reality of the situation is, guys, the board, you do the same shit all the time. You drag your ass on signings, get your business done early, get these guys in so the manager can get the team right. This is 100% on the board what has happened. And the fact that you finally got this signing over the while, stop being petty. Teams that win championships aren't petty. They want five million more pounds. You don't think it's worth it? Pay the five goddamn million. Because when you're winning matches, you get nights like you got against Leon at the West Ham Stadium, which I'm not going to call London Stadium anymore because it's fucking ours. And when you start acting like it, you get those nights and you'll make it up. You'll make it up in merchandise sales. When you win, people buy your kit. When you win, people show up to your matches. When you win, they buy more beer. When you win, they buy more food. Okay, people talk about you. More sponsors want to come in. So fuck off with your $5 million. Pay what it is. I don't give a shit what the player costs because the reality is you're going to get that money back. And West Ham United need to start acting like a team that plays in fucking London, <laughs> the capital. I'm sick and tired of that. You are in the largest football market in probably the world. Okay. 
How many? Um, there's five or six Premier League sides in the London right now. So go out there and start acting like a team that plays in the capital that represents and stop letting teams like the posh Chelsea, the dumbass Tottenham, the bougie wannabe Arsenal, stop letting them lead what London is. Take it over. That's my goddamn problem with the board. You get a red card, and you should have been getting a red card years ago. So guess what? Serve your one-game suspension. Learn your goddamn lesson. Call me on the phone, and I'll tell you what to fucking do. All right. I'm sorry. I, I got heated. Man, did we just get like a, a text tantrum? Like that's, <laughs> that's like a new fucking thing right there. That was pretty I intense. Just, oh God, I'm so sick and tired of the board dragging their ass on shit. And it's interesting. I think it's actually seven because it's the four primary that are typically there. And then Brentford, Crystal Palace and Fulham. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Seven teams just out of London. Almost half the Premier League is just London alone. Like Dude, that's uh, pretty I, fucking intense. And you should start acting like you're a team from London. I agree. You know, and, and that's my thing. And no offense to the teams you mentioned. I mentioned the other ones because they are considered the big ones. Yeah, yeah. No, we of course. We need to be in their class. Mm. And I'm sick and tired of acting like we're not. Yeah. We play at the West Ham Stadium. No, it is not the London oh, Stadium. Oh, I like that. I like that. It's ours. I know. Gone from the Queen Elizabeth, to the Olympic Stadium to the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Stadium to the London Stadium to West Ham Stadium. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. And as always, if you find yourself in Fresno, California, and it happens to be Sunday morning, I believe that game is at 6 a.m. Um, another early start. Yeah. Um, you know, come on down to Full Circle Brewing Company and come join the the loudest group in Fresno. And we are, <laughs> if you've never seen us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, we are definitely, um, we're definitely a good time. And yes, I'm tooting our own horn because I want you to come hang out because we always love people. We're family oriented. We have a bubble machine. Get your ass down to Full Circle Brewing Company and watch us take on the goddamn seagulls. Hopefully this time we got our shotguns out and we could take them down for once. Oh, yeah. Um, big game for us. Uh, want to say thank you for listening, all seven of you. We do appreciate. Um, I think it's 23 now. Though When I checked whoa. after when I was uploading last week's episode, it was like 23. So whoa. we're, I mean, that's triple the numbers what Maybe we had we before. Maybe we should retire. I, I Maybe think we should retire. Land on a high note. Yeah. Well, as always, you want to get involved with the show, you can hit us up at, at A-H-R-W-H-U on Twitter. Also, if you want to hit up Liam or myself, you can hit us up on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, all at Fresno Irons. We are two of the members of the loudest group in all of Fresno. Um, so we would love to hear from you, love to get you involved in the show. And if you think you can do it better than us, give us a call. We'll bring your punk ass on. Um, as always, thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. Thank you to Tim and Lee for the opportunity to do this show on American Hammers Network. For Liam, this is Tex. And as always, come, come on, on, you irons. irons.